What if I just can't do the word of God? What if it's just too hard? I'm a teenager and I have a life full of pressure and confusion and chaos. What if... Well, hey there. Welcome to our Chronicles podcast. And I'm Sarah Ophomola, your lovely host. And today we are dealing with those questions I asked before the start of the show. What may be injuring our work with God? Why can't we just do the word of God? Even when we feel like, how can we handle the pressure? How can we handle this state of confusion in teenagehood and follow Jesus solely? I would like to kick off this podcast with one touching um, content I found on Facebook. These are questions I would really love to ask myself. And it was posted by Chinaza Fivo on Facebook. She was like, Hey friend, you were daring until you weren't. You reached for the stars until you no longer do. You loved until you don't. What happened to you? When did the tides change? How did we get here? Hmm. This really got me thinking that yeah, most of us, we agreed into this communion with the Father and all of a sudden things start to change because we just can't cope with the pressure and we just can't cope with the chaos in our world. What happened? How did these things change? Well, that's one of those things that inspired me to this topic, our topic for today. What may be injuring us from a deeper work with God? What is that thing? You know, last week we talked about doers of the world, and I explained how we can be doers of the world, why we should be doers of the world. But we can I can say this a thousand times a day and still not get people doing the world. Not because they can't, but because it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not just about saying it or affirming it. This is about doing, and doing is reality, and the reality of things in this world and in this present age is disturbing. So my first, after reasoning, my first point here is self-comparison. And this is something I picked from my life. And from, of course, my friends, how I see, how I see teenagers fall. What is that one thing, if we ask ourselves, what is that one thing that hinders us from working with God? I'll say it's self-comparison and peer pressure because we are friends that we look up to, people that we look up to, friends that we love. And if and there's one thing that we all do as teenagers, compare ourselves. I'm so, so, so person. This is me. And this is my friend. I like the way she is. But I can't be like her. Why? Because I want to follow Jesus. When you start giving room for self-comparison, then you start giving room for the devil to offer you alternatives to living your life. And that can hinder your work with God. That can stop you from loving. Okay, you have this person that you love. A person that has this kind of, this amount of following, this amount of money, this kind of wealth, this kind of 
beauty and you look at her and you ask yourself why can't i be like this person and you start picking out the things that she do that you cannot do as a christian if you allow your mind to go that far into comparing yourself with others you give your mind room to think about to think about going back on your words i think it's that attempt to follow the crowd that kills us i was in this exam when i was in school i had this christian friend two of us were christians and my friend would never follow the crowd well i i was this girl that all teachers looked up to and i just wanted to please them <laughs> so when this exam i didn't prepare for and it's like everybody didn't prepare for so some people brought in chips like cheats cheat papers and they started sharing it i did i ask for the cheat papers i don't think i did but i actually asked questions from the people that got the papers so that i'll be able to pass my own test too i discovered that my friend didn't and it kind of started pricking my conscience because <laughs> i wanted to pass she did, she didn't read but she just wrote anything and submitted but me i had to join the crowd because i saw everybody was doing it and there's no teacher watching us when we were done with the test, we came out and my friend looked at me and was like, Sarah, what did you just do? I told her, I need to pass that test. I am assumed, I am the assumed best student in the class. Everybody's cheating. If I write only what I know, I'll be like the lowest in that test. I just needed to do it. And she was like, really? Is that it? Must you follow the crowd? don't you know who you are are you ordinary like those words just got into me i was like yeah they just do something wrong and yes i did something wrong like she started questioning me have you forgotten your identity in christ have you forgotten that you are meant to stand out why did you do that and if you look at the book of Exodus chapter 23 verse 2 he said you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong when you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. I think that's what moves us away from God, moves us away from doing His word. When we are craving to be, we are craving to be among, to be among the crowd. That's part of peer pressure and self-comparison. Everybody is doing this thing. Why am I not doing it? If I don't do it, then I'll be discarded. I'll feel like the lowest in this place. I must do it. Bible says that we should not. If we do it, we stray away from the path of righteousness. Proverbs 4 verse 14 to 15 says, Do not do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think of it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. Keep moving to the cross. There were times when I might tell us, Hey, look at your mate. She's also 18 as you are 18. She's already a model. She's using her body to gain followers. Look at her pictures on Facebook. Look at how rich her bank account is. And you, yeah, yeah, stalking yourself in the back of life just because you want to do one Christianity thing. There will be times when our, there are those voices in our head will start saying it. Fine, we wish to be rich. We wish to be popular. We wish for fame and stuff. But Proverbs 13, verse 19 to 20 says, It is good when we wish, when wishes come true. But fools hate to stop doing evil. Spend time with the wise and you become wise. But the friends of the fool will suffer. 
fine we can wish things and it is so good when it come true but if our wishes will lead us into the company of fools then we are bound to suffer even when those wishes come true so then i imagine the lives of those models outside social media fine their wish their wish of fame their wish of money and popularity come to pass as teenagers even at their young age they already who a 50 year old man may not be but can you imagine how their private life will look like in the company of people who are only there for their money or their fame do you know what battle they are fighting internally isn't that suffering self-comparison and peer pressure when we allow it into our lives it has nothing good to offer than to draw us away from the cross, away from being doers of his word, away from being identified with Christ. So my dear friends, be God pleasers, not people pleasers. Do not let peer pressure and self-comparison get into your Head, get into our head in fact about that comparison thing please let us not do it let's just stop it you are a teenager and compare yourself with others please stop it if it's an old habit which is our next tip if it's an habit that you can't get away with please pray about it let's stop comparison because comparison kills thing about christianity is that we are entering into an ultimatum with god that this my life is not for me but you alone how dare you command compare an image of god with anyone you see you're actually cheating yourself by comparing yourself with others please stop it so our next tip like i mentioned oh, is old habits our old habits can also stop us from being doers of the, his words, can also stop us from a deeper walk with God. Some people, before they found God, before they realized salvation or discovered salvation, they were violent liars. Like every single thing they say is a lie. <laughs> I tell you know people like that <laughs> much. Some people, they are always late comers some people cannot stop the habit of watching pornography reading pornography some people habit is tongue their tongue they can't stop being saucy our old habits have a very very important place in our lives and we need to tackle them if we really want to follow Jesus as Christ, as teenagers. And I don't know if we have ever thought of it. Following Jesus takes a lot from us, right? But do you know that it is worth it? Do you know that you're not wasting your time by trying to train yourself to be a Jesus follower? You know, sometimes I imagine my life before I met Christ. Is it a life I would want to go back to? No, it's not. A life where I would lie and for the rest of the day I will have peace of mind because I'm scared that someone will discover my lie. Is that a life? A life where I will live so hypocritically and be scared in the end, deep inside, about someone discovering who I really am in my closet. Is that a life? 
a life without Christ is a life without peace. So if we are determined and intentionally following Jesus, we know that we are walking towards the path of peace and purpose. And to something that we should give all it takes. Now, if we want to overcome our old habits, we have to be very intentional about it. You know, there was this retreat I went to, and this woman was talking about how to actually get over your habits. So she was like, some people just can never get lustful thoughts out of their mind. And she was like, if when these lustful thoughts come, this is what you should do. Start praying in the spirit. <laughs> or if you cannot pray in the spirit, just say, Holy Ghost fire, overshadow my brain. <laughs> Holy Ghost fire, overshadow my thoughts. Holy Ghost fire, overshadow my mind. Well, it works because prayer works. But what I can, what I gained from, if I want to link that as single advice or prayer to all other habits, I'll say whenever we are forced or tempted to go into this habit, let's just fix our focus. We 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 direct our focus to God. Because, okay, she said, whenever these thoughts come, start praying, Holy Ghost fire, wash out of my mind. It means you are telling your mind that I don't want to think about you. I don't think about God. I'm tell- you are telling your mind, okay, it's not what you are giving me to think about that I need to think about. The Holy Ghost will come into my brain right now. It's, not- it's all about your affirmation and your beliefs. So when these habits come, can we just immediately redirect our focus back to our maker? That, okay, I want to kill this thing, and I need God to help me. So when it starts coming... Direct your focus back to God. And one of the ways you can direct your focus back to God is, why don't you just go back to your Bible? Like, those of us that cannot stop reading or watching pornography, why can't we, when the urges come, instead of picking up that pornography book, force yourself to pick up the Bible. Open somewhere and start to read. Try as much as possible to fix your Focus on that book. When you are tempted to watch pornography, why can't we switch our focus to a Mozarian movie that will feed our spirit, soul, and body? When we are forced to lie, why can't we remind ourselves of who God is and why lying should not be in our mouth? When we are forced to go back to our old habits, Please let us redirect. Redirect your focus back to God. Redirect your focus back to God. That is because He's the only one that can help us to do with our habits. They say, people say that old habits never die. But we know that nothing is impossible with God. So, when your old habits come knocking on the door, go knock on another door of salvation, which is God, because He's the only one who can free us from habits. Praise the Lord. Okay, the next is. Bitterness. Bitterness can. Ah, oh my God. I don't know how to explain this bitterness, but. Okay, let me just say that bitterness is one of those things that hinders every single Christian. Aside teenagers, everybody have something to do with bitterness. It's in your past that you just can't let go of. It hinders prayers, it hinders your work with God, it's, it makes you like compromise on doing the word of God every time because of course you are bitter against this person and God says forgive so you are already compromising on the law of forgiveness compromising on the law of love I'm not saying you don't have a right to be bitter we all have times in our lives when 
people just passed their boundary like they went to the endless paths and <laughs> limits and breaking that trust uh, breaking that betrayal disappointment molestation I don't know if I should share my own story but I really was bitter with someone in my life for a very long time and Anytime I saw this person, there was this, of course, the opposite of peace always around me. I didn't know how to forgive the person. I was also bitter with some people, set of people in my church then. And when I like, found God on a personal level, personal experience with God, I discovered that I couldn't keep that in my mind for long. I just needed to let go. Because it hindered my prayer. It hindered. In fact, you know that thing that will be that voice in your head that will be talking to you when you are praying. That <laughs> you are praying now. When you get outside and you see this guy, you will not greet him. That's how it was injuring my prayers. It was injuring my decision making. It was injuring everything. And it's kind of blinds one to actually seeing the truth. Blinds one to actually finding the peace of God. That's why we can be we can be Christians and not even have the Prince of Peace in our lives because we have accepted bitterness, which is the opposite of peace, into our lives. And when we come out of bitternesses, think of that person, that person that has hurt you so badly. You just tell God about the person and ask God to help you to forgive the person. We know that in every situation of our lives, we need to honor God. And judgment is not in our hands, but with God. It's written in the Bible, pray for your enemies so that as you pray, you close a fire upon their head. It's a spiritual thing. And it's not like the physical heaping close of fire upon their head by swearing for them. It is God who will judge them according to their level of sin or the level of his mercies upon them. So, if you have anyone who has hurt you so badly and you really want to follow God, so there won't be an hindrance to your work with God, you need to surrender them to God. Lay down your burdens. Lay your burdens down. Lay these people in your mind, on your mind, down at the cross, down at the foot of the cross, and accept God. It's like surrendering all your worries, your heart, your pain to Jesus so he can give in return is a peace that surpasses all my understanding. Forgive those that hurt you. Please don't be bitter because okay, I, I haven't even finished saying my story. I So one day I was praying and I was like, God, things are not opening. You are revealing to me things that you want me to do in the future, but the way I see my life right now, there is nothing that can actually connect me to those things. <laughs> I see no one. I see nothing. I'm just talking. This just talking. This house doing nothing, and I don't see any like way to purpose that you reveal to me in my dreams. And that thing just came to me. I had to just forgive these people and love them. Forgive them and love them like your sisters. Love them like your father. Love them 
like you love anyone who never really hurts you. I went to church that day and I started to love these people. I changed my life. It changed their life too because when I started to love them as sisters, I saw that all of them, like I discovered that all these people I was holding a grudge against were actually still very immature and they also needed things in their life. They also had pains that they were struggling with. And they needed enlightenment. By loving them, I showed them who God is, like the love of Christ and what it meant. And that also changed their own life. And I saw that the way they acted before changed entirely. And they started acting like the sister I loved them as. That is what a decision of Christ does. It doesn't only change you. It changes the person you are bitter against. So if you forgive someone who has hurt you so badly... He, the person, whoever it is, starts to think about how dare she forgive me <laughs> because of that God. Who is that God? They start to ask, ask questions and that changes them also. So you are not just living for yourself, but also making an impact in somebody's life. And that grants you more favor <laughs> like in the course of your life and happiness. Yes, there's no such happiness as the happiness that comes from the feeling of being an influence in somebody's life. And happiness is the direct opposite of bitterness. When you let go of your bitterness, you are inviting happiness and the peace of Christ into your life and also allowing for a deeper relationship with God. Our next tip is discouragement. Yeah, discouragement is one of those things that in that's us from a deeper work with God and doing His will. When we look, when we scroll through the news, all that we see is more and more reasons to be discouraged. But the Bible contains hope. The Bible says we have come into the world to give you peace. The Bible says that God is in control, that God knows, God plans, God redeems, God rescues, God empowers. We might pray and not get what we want at that time. Then we start to wonder if God really listens. But I'd like to tell you something about prayer today. That prayer is a matter of faith. When we pray, we are to ask God for specific things that we need, yes. But we are supposed to ask according to our faith and not according to what we see is happening. Prayer is a matter of faith, I repeat. It is trusting that God has the power and desire to meet our needs, regardless of how many things may, how, how things may seem, or how many things they are, or how your reality is. Regardless of that, prayer is that faith that, okay, I'm going to tell God about this thing, and I know that He's going to do it. It is through this believe this strong faith that we will be able to wait for his answers. It's written in Romans 8 verse 25 that but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. When we pray, we pray as of our faith. And when we pray as of our faith, we do not get discouraged because we are praying knowing that God will answer us in due time. So if you have your motive of prayer before 
that gets you discouraged easily. Please change it. Prayer is not about what is happening. Prayer is not about the visible. Our God is an invisible God, a supernatural God, which means our prayers to Him too is spiritual. It is a matter of faith. <laughs> yes, it is a matter of faith. And sometimes God allows us to wait for the answer so that our faith can mature. God wants us to be the kind of people who can be trusted with answered answered prayers. And you know the greatest joy. The greatest joy is having that kind of spiritual maturity that allows God to trust us with answered prayers answered prayers. And how can God trust us with answered prayers? By we passing through the test of waiting. So the waiting is not a waste. The waiting is for a greater rejoicing. The waiting is for building our trust with God. So God knows that we need what we need, but He allows for the waiting so that we don't just be the um, baby, baby, milky Christians, but the ones that are grown and matured in faith. Okay, this next zipper flies to so many teenagers. I I also had an idol in my life. <laughs> so yes, the next tip is an idol in your life. An idol in your life can make you not be doers of the world and hinder your deeper work with God. I, as a an high school student, I had this musician I so much adore. She loves black and white. I'm not going to mention her name. She's a secular musician, and I just love her songs. Like, I learn it back to back. I can sing them. I can even give you the instrumentation in my dreams. I love that so much. I love that lifestyle. I love everything about her. I didn't know whether she was a Christian or not. I also wasn't a sound Christian. I just wanted to be the teenager that I was. <laughs> love who I wanted to love and eat who I wanted to eat. But what if the idols in our life aren't the supposed idol? Aside from the fact that God said, love your, um, God commanded, as the first commandment, love your blood, your God, with all your heart, with all your might, with your, all your soul. And we are told in the Bible that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to exalt anything above him. You might not think you are exalting your idols above God, but what if God thinks that? What if that is the reality? Well, I don't want to go there yet. <laughs> I want to go into the how your idol can actually hinder your work with God. Those people you adore the most in your life. Those people just want to feel like. What if they are not the direct picture of who God wants you to be? What if they are not even Christians? What if they do things contrary to the word of God? And you idolate them in your life. You idolate them because you want to be like them. Which means that what they do is what will minister to you. When I was, when this lady, this popular musician was my idol, I was so depressed. I didn't know why. But when I found God, I actually discovered why I was so depressed. And I, I looked at her profile. And I discovered that every single teenager that was following this lady was depressed. Like, if not 100%, but a certain big percentage. Why? Because she allowed a depression opening. Fine, she made the world accept it. And it's good to actually accept 
But all she didn't know the solution to it. She was also a lost teenager like us. She didn't know who can help her out of it, which is Jesus. So she was not ministering the peace of Christ. It's that she was ministering what her depressed mind wanted her to know. You know that negative voice that says, I want you, I want to die. One of our songs, I don't know, I don't want you guys to guess, but one of our songs had that, um, forget me, forget me when I, I don't want to say the racing verb at him, but it has something like, I'm going to die. But when I die, do not think about me. You know all those suicidal songs? And these are songs that so many teenagers connected with. They play it in their head every single time they start to think depressed. And they don't know that these songs, these songs only get them more depressed. I didn't know until I found the truth. What are you supposed to do when you're depressed? My start telling you that you are supposed to die. I want you supposed to take yourself back to the word of God and remind him of, remind yourself of the promises of God. You see what happens when we idolate people in our lives, when we idolate things in our lives. They become an influence in our work with God. And if they are not the right people, they dent it. They dent it so much that we become their steward and not God's steward. So we start building deep work with them. And not a deep work with our God who is near. So the idols in your life can be, <laughs> like they have a very strong impact in how your life lifestyle of worship will be like. Until I stopped listening to this circular music, and until I stopped idolizing this woman in my life, I didn't know how it was to be actually free from depression, to be actually safe at the cross, and to actually have the peace of God. I'm not blaming it on her, but... It is in our minds. We teenagers, we just want to be what we love other people being. And then we idolize them in our lives. And we start to live by them. Not knowing what their own life is influencing on them. Well, it's not only people we can add, it's not only people, beings that we can idolize in our life. We can idolize objects, our phones. When you start to exert yourself above God, you give your phone more time than you actually give your communication or supplication with God. That's when you start. <laughs> that was when I was talking one time. She said that she used to forget her quiet time because when that alarm bell rings, that it's time for quiet time, she might be pressing something on her phone that will be <laughs> so interesting that she doesn't want to leave it. So she, she'll just say, Whoa. Let her one postpone. I'll come back to you later. Let me finish this film. I'll watch it on my phone first before I go back to my quiet time. When your phone or any object in your life that you love to do is already interacting or interrupting your, or is it, should I say interrupting or competing with your relationship with God, your quiet time, your personal prayer time, your personal study time, then you should know there's a problem. It means there are the idols in your life and you need to take them off. You need to, like, cancel them. Yes, as Christian teenagers, we should try as much as possible not to idolize anything in our lives. I like this. Um, it's not really a quote, but there was this thing my my favorite, one of my favorite worship leaders said, Brooklyn Jetwood, 
on an interview. I can't even remember where the interview was taken, but she was like, <laughs> I don't take coffee all the time nowadays. Not because I don't like coffee. Like, I love coffee so much. But I don't want to get attached to it. So if I see I'm getting attached to coffee, I stop. I don't want to get attached to anything in my life. So if I'm getting attached to one thing, I stop and get an alternative. And I love that quote, and I've been using it as my... I've been using it to guide my way of life since then. Like, if I see I'm getting attached to something I can't do without it, I will have to cut it off for a while. (laughs) Because I don't want that attachment. I don't want to assault something against the will of God in my life. No. So, please... My dear teenagers, do not idolize. Get rid of idols in your life because God is not happy with it. And aside the fact that God is not happy with it, it's not worth it. What What is worth the wrath of God? Nothing. Besides, we are always on the losing side, right? We want to idolize this thing and it takes our time, it takes our senses. It washes out the word of God from our brains. And we start walking away from God. Is that what we want? No. So, keep off idols. Keep off idols. Um, so, the last one we're going to talk about today is lack of transparency with God. Like, a lot of Christians do this. You act your normal self on a normal day. You talk, 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 talk. Play, 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 play. Then when it's time for prayer. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, you're not faking an attitude of seriousness. An attitude of, oh, Heavenly Father, I've come before you again. You know, those formulated prayers, I don't even know how to, ex- I don't know how to describe it. You know, some people, it's doing prayer times that they start behaving who they are not in real life. I see this God you are praying to doesn't even watch. Like, is there anything hidden from him? Is there? Why is it? Why do we only get serious about our Christian lives when it's time for our prayers? Then outside, we behave like the normal religious person. Or why do we act over spiritual in our supposed quiet time with God and act less spiritual in the normal world? Can we just be ourselves when talking to Jesus? Can we just talk? The normal way you're going to talk to your friend, my father, this is what I want. Okay, this is how I feel. You know, some people start judging themselves. I cannot tell God that I I, I like that boy. <clears throat> I can, ah, no. I cannot tell God that I'm having a crush. Eh, no. I will just pray. Uh, forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive us all. I'm not saying you should not, but... What if we need help in something and we're already believing or having a preconceived motion that, hey, I can't tell God this one because he might judge me. Really? Who told you God is a cruel father? Why can't you just tell God, talk to Jesus like you talk to a mentor, that we talk to your parents, that you talk to your friends, friends. Like, hey God, this is how I feel. Like, I feel so attached to this person and it's not right because... I haven't heard from you yet. This is not the right age for marriage. So why do I need this guy in my life? Help me to deal with this lust. Help me to deal with 
Okay, God, I feel so depressed this morning. My phone has issues. I know it's not supposed to make me depressed, but I think I'm attached to my phone. <laughs> Help me. These are the ways to like talk to God on a personal level. When you start building personal relationship with God, relating with God as a father and a friend, like he called us, you will be able to deeper your relationship with him. And that even proves, proves how much you love God. Because if you love someone, you won't lie to the person, will you? If you love someone, the person won't have to ask you how you feel. Before you start, then the person how you feel. To be honest, if you love and trust somebody, you'll be able to open up, reveal the whole of you to that person. And if you love God, that is exactly what you will do. Can we all be transparent with God? Can we open up everything, all of our wounds, all of our secret sins, unconfessed ones, secret threats? Even sometimes we have to confess our threats because they can go awry sometimes. We're like, oh my God, just thinking, just thinking of, and stuff. So let's be transparent with God. Let's be transparent with God. That will help us, number one, deepen our relationship with Him. Number two, it's when we are transparent with God that we can actually hear His voice. Yes. When we are transparent with God, we have, like, created this personal intimacy with God, which helps us to identify His voice. So we don't just want to walk up to God in prayer as a perfect person, you know, as a perfect teenager we want to show him that god this is me you know that i am not perfect and i'm not ready to hide it that is when we have the opportunity to actually hear from him and learn from him god help us in jesus name i have to stop here for today because of the time so next week thursday i'll be giving more tips or just tips or more of the things that actually and that's us from doing God's words and establishing a deep walk with God and how to overcome them. I have like eight to ten more to discuss on the show next episode. So if you haven't subscribed to this episode, please do so you'll be updated when I open a new episode. So this is like the beginning of a season call for separation and I want us to stay tuned for the rest of the months and this month and the next because this month is almost ending for a deeper work with God. May God help us in Jesus' name. Don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms on Facebook at Ofomola Sierra Organekewe at Eratscry on Inst- on Facebook also on Instagram you can follow me at chronicle.podcast on Twitter at Sarah or Formula um, so I like to use this passage of the Bible Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 to 24 to close this podcast today it's like a prayer and I want I'm reading the message translation if you don't have a Bible you can just listen to me and let the world sink or speak over you and minister to you. Amen. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we grow up healthy in God, robust in love, 
And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there will be no going along with the crowd, the empty-ended, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. I'm talking about the mindless crowd. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go into sexual obsessions, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for me. That's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotting true and true. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately produces his character in you. Amen. Thank you.